This is I'd Rather Be Right, a podcast about big ideas and better predictions. And dick jokes. Which is why this isn't financial, legal, or even dating advice. We might be rich, successful, and good-looking, but Mark Cuban hates us. So prepare to enjoy the best podcast that only awesome, charming, and attractive people like you listen to. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Devil's Advocate podcast. This is probably the first one we're releasing. Uh, my name is Luke. That's Nathan. <clears throat> he is a uh, professional uh, lawyer type, and I'm just uh, kind of a, a guy who uh, does random things. So don't listen to me. Listen to him. I might say some ridiculous things. Um, I'm, I'm bound to say some ridiculous stuff, too. I think we can count on that. Yeah, but you're uh, you. You have an educated background, so uh, yeah, yeah, we'll you go can, with that. Uh, get away with it, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So obviously, probably gonna title this like GameStop, and then I have some other topics. <clears throat> but we can just jump into it. So GameStop uh, stock, uh, GME, uh, is blown up. It's, it's blown crazy. <laughs> Absolutely, it's gone because, nuts <clears throat> uh, because of well, because of a lot of reasons but mainly because of Reddit and uh, corporate greed. (laughs) Yes, that is correct. Uh, So yeah, basically Wall Street Bets, I guess, is the name of the Reddit Reddit forum where uh, this sort of took off. And uh, the suggestion was to go after it because uh, it had a large short position. And for those of you that don't know what a shorting a stock means, it's basically you pay someone to borrow a stock, borrow in quotes, uh, you take it and then you sell the stock. And the idea is that if the stock drops in price, you rebuy the stock at a lower price and return it back to the person you borrowed it from and you pocket the difference. And the short position also had, you can usually, you can close out of that position anytime and rebuy it at any time, but there's also a time when you like a drop dead date, basically when you have to buy it back and then resell it to some and resell it uh, and, and hand it back to the person you borrowed it from. Uh, and so there was a large short position against it over a hundred percent. So basically they had more short positions than actual stock existed. And the Redditors decided to gang up on them by the price, driving the price up, figuring that if they could keep it high enough for long enough that they would be forced to pay and sell out and they could sell to the short, the shorters. And the shorters would take a huge right. loss <clears throat> And they, yeah, they pocket, and they pocket the huge gains, and that may or may not come to full fruition. <laughs> we're in the middle of it right now. We're, so. we're we're in the middle of it, so we don't know how high <clears throat> it'll go, but yeah, basically the short squeeze. So they're trying to pump, if you will, the the stock higher, and so what? So like what Nathan said, <clears throat> the shorts they have to buy the stock. Eventually, they have to buy the stock back. Their goal is to buy it lower, but if it's higher, they still have to buy the stock. And so if Reddit can push the stock price as high as possible, then eventually the shorts are going to have to cover, which means they have to buy the stock at whatever price it is. And with too many shorts, uh, they won't be able to buy enough stock back. And this will just send the price higher and higher. And, uh, and hopefully if you're one of the ones trying to drive the price up, you uh, get out in time yep. before... You know, it's kind yep. of a question who's uh, musical chairs, who's stuck with the stock at the time it no one right. actually wants to buy it anymore. Well, that's, what's, 
<laughs> that's what's so fascinating about this is that it's like you know there's the efficient market hypothesis and all these hypotheses about how stuff works but this is in a in a way a very naked uh thing going on here it's i wouldn't say it's necessarily easy to understand what's going on here i mean the the short squeeze it's quite as intelligent strategy and especially for just some people on reddit to figure this out a while and there have been people who i've i mean i've been on our Wall Street bets for a while. And there've been people who have been pumping this stock for months. I originally um, saw it probably back in December, early December sometime. And I was like, these crazy people, but they identified it and people have been loading up on it. So, I mean, I've seen some posts and you know, who knows, it's easy to fake all that stuff, but people have dumped 50 grand into it when it was $7 and they're well into the millions now um, yeah. of dollars that they've made. Um, so if they sell their millionaires, to be clear, I'm sure crazy. I think some of it's Wall Street people and they're trying to manipulate Redditors to do it. But some of it's probably legit Redditors. Yeah. I mean, like, like it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's both. Um, and there's definitely and, legit Redditors, but there's a big question as to whether it's even legal to do what they're doing, um, whether or not it's stock manipulation. What Reddit's doing? Yeah. Because the question is, is it stock manipulation? So, stock securities fraud is like you lie about it, right? You lie about the stock. That's quite clearly. Right. Um, that's not what they're doing right. as far as we can tell. No one on Reddit is actually claiming the fundamentals on, uh, on GameStop have changed. No, um, no, they are not. And that's the kind of the thing we left out about the story. If you go on our Wall Street bets, it's not high-minded, cerebral, like, oh, well, I think the fundamentals are this, or they got a new CEO, and maybe he'll take it. It's none of that. It is, it's not PC. So if you uh, if you like PC language, don't go on there. They call themselves expensive names it's not safe for work it's mainly a meme subreddit and they i mean there's no they're just they're just doing this because you know screw wall street but also like maybe we're idiots make money like, on don't it. listen to us but and maybe, maybe we can you can make some money they like the phrases it's my favorite phrases i'm gonna yolo my life savings into some meme stocks <laughs> like literally like pump put all of your life savings into a stock and i'm like let's just make a bunch of memes about it and see if it'll go up so it's like it's not it's not coordinated as in the sense of you would think a hedge fund doing it. It's just a bunch of idiots on the internet. Uh, to drive, so which I mean, be a thorn in the side is, for Wall Street. Yeah. It's hilarious, actually. Right. It 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 could be. I mean, I could I can see the argument that like it's mani it's manipulated or it's you know it's illegal or the SEC wouldn't like it, but it's just a bunch of people on the internet. Like you don't have to listen to them, and you honestly probably shouldn't. Like honestly, you shouldn't listen to them because <laughs> no, I would this not is crazy. Financial advice. I personally do not own. No. I'm not planning on buying any anytime soon. Uh, I do. I own some. You own some? Okay. I do not. Okay. I do. Did you get in before? I got in. Uh, yeah, I got in around, uh, I bought some at like 120 and then it kind of went down. So I dollar cost averaged in to um, about uh, 105 was the best I had. So I bought some at like 120 and then that like 80. What's it so at right put now? put a bunch in. Um, what I made or the price? No, what is, what's, the, what's the price right now? Oh, the you're price is 347. I'm not out yet because there's another interesting thing on Friday, a bunch of, and this kind of gets maybe a little complicated, but there's a bunch of options um, that expire on Friday. And so there's a short squeeze, but there's also something called a gamma squeeze where basically the same thing happens that we just explained, but think of it as options and mm -hmm. options are contracts on, uh, on stocks where you, buy the obligation, uh, not the obligation, you buy the right, but not the obligation to buy a hundred stocks in a future date. It's kind of futures if you think about it. So I can, you know, say I will buy a hundred shares 
of GameStock from Nathan next Friday. Mm -hmm. um, this is okay. And so I think the price is going to be whatever, you know, we're going to agree that I'll, he's going to sell it to me at 25 bucks a share. And I say, I'll take that bet. Cause I think it's going to go, it's going to be 35 bucks a share. So we sign a contract. So on Friday, you have to sell me the stock at 25 bucks a share, even if it's 35 bucks a share. Right. Well, in this case, 300 and, bucks. <laughs> or or in this case, 300 bucks. Yeah. And so, and there's even more shorts, like assume like people are still shorting the stock. And so there's, you know, people think it's still going to go up. I think it'll hold at least until tomorrow or at least Friday. Um, so that's probably when I'm going to get out is in the next 48 hours. I'm not going to try and wait for it to go to a thousand. Like people are saying, no, I think, I think it's you also have to think a little bit of game theory too, as well. If everyone is going to sell at a thousand, you got to get out before there's a good chance in the back. So you got to think I got to get out before, but then you got to realize other people are also thinking that. So how do I preempt them as well? And right now you can't got, just right now you've got actual gains on the table. So you might as well take them off. Exactly. Yeah. I would, I would like it to double one more time. If we could double one more time, I'd be super happy because then I would actually have a, a decent size uh, portfolio of play money that I could then YOLO into another meme stock. <laughs> That's my goal here. Um, so if it doubles one more time, I'll be, uh, yeah, dude. I mean, you know, it turns out that stocks only go up and uh, fundamentals don't matter. So, uh, um, you know, yeah, the Fed uh, uh, things, please don't know. take this as financial advice, please. <laughs> Guys, stocks only go up. I'm telling you. <laughs> hey, if you don't sell at the loss, you haven't you haven't made a loss, bro. You just gotta hold on. I like how I'm um, just kind of making fun of you, and I'm involved in the Bitcoin community. <laughs> like, like we don't meme or yeah. Whatever. Well, that's exactly, exactly. It's not entirely different than Bitcoin. Bitcoin has. I will. I do hold Bitcoin, and I will hold Bitcoin for a long time. Because Bitcoin has my, stronger fundamentals, in my too. opinion. But uh, but there's some of some of there. There's does. definitely an overlap. And there's an overlap of attitude yeah. towards the Wall Streeters, um, which is we generally yes. think they're evil. Yes. Um, yeah. And to be fair, not all. But the difference is there's, evil, but there are definitely certain right. ones that are evil, and they manipulate things and do things that are shady. Right. Um, and they're not yes. holders yeah. of good companies. Most of them are not no. Warren Buffett. There's a. I think it's a sort of a gentleman right. aspect to Warren Buffett. The right. Doesn't hostile take. He buys and holds things forever. Yep. And he buys. There's a lot of people out there trying to manipulate the market and make money off shorts and all these things. Um, the difference between Bitcoin and GameStop is we know it will crash. Like, I mean, Bitcoin could crash, but it's like it could crash. Yeah. GameStop will crash 100%. Some people are going to lose a lot of money. Like I would not tell anyone to buy in right now. It's a little too late. I'm in a decent position. I, it could crash a lot and I'll still have, be fine. Because stop my losses has averaging. Can, you, can you put stops? Can you put stop? I, I don't, I don't because, um, this kind of gets to another aspect. The shorts are trying to manipulate the price of it by, and this happens in, in all kinds of markets, but you can kind of trigger a bunch of stop losses by having a massive sell-off. So if I sell- a No, no, that happened in Bitcoin, I'm sure. I just stock, before. Yeah, but still, if you send down, you trigger a bunch of stop like losses. $200 and you get out at right. 200, you still win a game. Like you still go, well, you still walk away. Exactly. So that's the point. Yeah, stop. yeah, but I've been watching. I mean, I've been glued to it, so I don't really. It's like this is my stopwatch, my stop loss, because um, I've been glued to it. So I mean, I, as, if it's during trading hours, I can you just. Use I mean, if something happened right now, I'd be screwed. Yeah, I use Robinhood. Robinhood. Um, if something happened right now, I'd be screwed because it's after hours and you can't really trade after hours. I know because um, yeah, that's Robinhood. again that's the advantage of the Wall Street. For, so screw Wall yep. Street. They have the different. They play by different games, which is kind of reason exactly. I like this story. Now the. I mean, the big question again is: Is, is it technically illegal? Uh, we're not sure. Will the SEC go after it. I don't know. Um, it's it, it's it interesting. I kind of also wonder 
and I'm not an expert in First Amendment law. It's been a long time since I've taken the classes, but I'm kind of like, part of this is like a screw the Wall Street, like action. Um, like, um, and I'm like, just wonder if someone could actually make a legitimate, like some level of First Amendment claim. Like, you know, as this, you know, they, I guess they've said that money is, money is part of speech now. So uh, that seems to be in the dicta of uh, yeah. certain, or certain cases that have benefited corporations. So I mean, yeah. you could just say, oh, these people are just spending their money to make a point to say, screw you, Wall Street. Stop messing around with stocks in this way. They are. And if and you read I, a lot of the comments on the subreddit, it's a lot of that. It's, it's screw a lot of these it's, guys. It's like, screw these guys. So it's not like, you know, like no one's claiming anything about the stock. They're just, they're just trying to screw someone. Exactly. And they're yeah. willing to take a risk. And, um, and the other thing is they're willing to take a risk on the downside that they get it wrong. Like, like if they if they get stuck yeah. holding the bag and it goes down, you guys lose money. Uh, so the other thing is it's not like, yeah. My, my attitude is sort of like the market takes care of this one in the sense that like you guys, it's a question of musical chairs, who's holding the bag at the time. Um, um, so it's not like it's risk. It's not a risk-free uh, manipulation in my opinion, by far anything right. from it. And it seems like some of them are people are going to hold, like you, you're holding uh, and some people are going to hold and some people are going to overhold on, on Reddit form. I'm sure of that. Uh, it's just a question of who. <laughs> Don't know. Yeah, I'm still here. Know what I'm doing? But I've been. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. you froze for a bit, so we have to edit that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but that's well, the one thing that does scare me is I do see, uh, or makes me worry. I do see a lot of comments from people that clearly have never invested before. They don't know what they're doing. They probably don't understand a lot of these things. Like, I wouldn't say I know what I'm doing, but I have been playing with stocks for years at this point. Um. You know, I understand like get in, get out, like I've done trading, like I've, I've bought stocks. So like, I, I kind of understand how the stock market works at least. I know how to buy, I know yeah. don't play with money that you can't afford to lose. Like I know, all, and I even in my, if, if I lose all the money, I have backup plans like, okay, well I re replace that money because I'm getting paid over here or whatever, right? But there's a lot of people in there that I don't, they think it's never, they literally think it's probably never going to come back down, but it will, it might come down higher than at $7. Um, there are some interesting fundamentals there, but like it's, even if it goes to a thousand, it's not going to go to 4,000. Like, even if it did, it's going to come crashing down. And I think the people that don't it's, really understand. GameStop trying to get um, issue some shares. That's the other thing. Cause GameStop could try to issue shares in this window to try to, so, so they should is one thing that's probably to be explained to people who don't know much about investing. Uh, when, when you buy the stock, you're buying for someone else who owns the stock. That money does not go to GameStop. There's no, it doesn't end up on the GameStop balance sheet. It, it right. just goes between two people. Um, so the way they could use this GameStop, if they could issue shares quick enough, and you have to go through some regular requirements, and I'm not fully sure, I'm not fully versed in the SEC. Right. Right so don't, but, I, but if you can issue it and the price is higher than the actual intrinsic worth, they get cash at a higher price for issuing more shares. So a smart, a smart capital allocator treats their stock and most uh, as, as currency. Most people do the complete opposite. They, uh, they, they buy back shares when it's high and uh, the issue of them when they're when they're low and they need struggling for money. So if you're smart, you issue them when it's high, when it's overvalued. And this stock is clearly overvalued. I think anyone on the game stop uh -huh. board would admit this. Um, and if they can issue the shares yeah. quick enough and get them bought at the same price, um, and, and you know they can get them bought by the um, um, by the short sellers. And I'm not sure how quickly you can do this. Um, then they could get a bunch of money in the coffers, the GameStop, which would allow them to uh, potentially reorganization uh, 
reorganize their uh, business and actually survive. Um, but they have to get yeah. the issue, shares issued. And I'm not sure how quickly you're allowed to do that because it's regulatory requirements and that stuff. Um, right. But that's the fundamental thing I was kind of wondering is can they get between now and the time it crashes? Like, even if it doesn't crash, as like you said, back to $7, if it crashes back to, say, $25 and they think that's above value, that's still a good deal. Right. Um, and there might be, and there might be enough action for a good long people who are like trying to get even for a while uh, after they crash yeah. and they hang out. So I would start, if I were in game job board, I'd immediately start trying to issue shares uh, and going through whatever regulatory yep. requirements are for doing that and, and get the cash out there. And then, and then you get some cash on your balance sheet. Um, but if yeah. they don't do that, there's no cash on your balance sheet for this exercise, but they could benefit potentially if they got it out quick enough. George Soros has this idea of reflex reflexology or reflexivity in the markets. It's kind of a competing idea to uh, the efficient market hypothesis. And I saw it kind of posited that an off or uh, a side effect of this skyrocket on GameStop could be that um, it actually improves the underlying fundamentals of GameStop itself because they could issue shares. They uh, everyone working there their portfolios are going up, so they want to work harder. They could use that capital from issuing shares and then you know, doing all that to get money in their coffers to hire better people to acquire a, uh, <clears throat> a viable business since their business probably isn't super viable right now without some very strong pivots. They do have a new CEO, or I don't know if they're a new CEO yet, but they might, might be thinking about it, but of Chewy, who, you know, uh, that was a really big e-commerce brand. So there are like, it could be interesting that this could be the catalyst to actually GameStop becoming a viable business in the future, which would just be absolutely insane um, because uh, I don't think Wall Street Bets did it themselves. I don't just don't think there's enough money in there, but I do think they might have caught the interest of some big money and that's kind of, and they also want to do the short squeeze. But we know Michael Burry was in there beforehand. So Michael right. Burry, the mm -hmm. guy, uh, for those people that don't know who's in, um, he was played by Christian Bale big short. In, in the big short. Uh, and he, nope. he he definitely owned GameStop long before this, and I think he actually bought more shares in September, and that might have been all of his shares recently, but he, he bought stuff before. He's been in and out of GameStop, maintaining that there's, it's yep. undervalued. Um, he's a valued player. Um, but he has admitted, he said that he, he, this is crazy, and he's, you know, there needs to be regulation around this stuff, and he got out. Um, I don't know what the price he got out. He didn't tell us, but... He made a lot. But, but he was in before this, um, so he apparently thought the price was above what was seven dollars before it started taking off. Was that what it was? Yeah, something so he, like that. He, he clearly thought the, he clearly thought the price was worth. I mean, that the value was worth more than seven dollars a share, um, or right. he wouldn't have been involved. But he wasn't necessarily saying it's worth three hundred or whatever it is now. Um, yeah, and I and I do wonder where he got out, but um, I'm not surprised he got out because it's way beyond whatever he. I'm sure he thought it was. It's crazy, and I'm being a little greedy um, today by not getting out. But it held very strong today in above 300. And I mean, you could so, sell half of it and then you'd be. Then you'd I could. Sell. I mean, that would be my recommendation. Sell half of it. Then you, you you regret it a little bit either way, right? You regret not hanging on to all right. of it or you regret. Uh, right. But you take. Oh, well, the other thing is um, you could sell off just enough that you keep your initial stake. And, yep. and whichever. I do either half. Or that one, depending on which one you feel more comfortable with. But I do that tonight, and then then you don't have to worry about it. You know, sell off just as much yeah. of your whatever your initial investment was, and then then you don't have to worry. Yeah, I think I probably I'm gonna make a decision. I'll make a move tomorrow on my position. If it skyrocks, I'll I'll probably 
leave it in or take some out. Um, if it starts to tank, I'll probably, I'll probably panic sell. Like it's fine. I'll probably, I'll still, I'll still realize some gains. Um, what's, what this has really done for me is, uh, shown that I really know how to invest, you know, I'm really good at this, um, because I can uh, put money into meme stocks and they go up. So I'm, I'm pretty good at this. So I'm going to give myself a loan, take some more money out and, uh, keep investing, baby, because this is working. For those that don't know Luke, that is pure sarcasm. <laughs> I, it's half sarcasm. It's half sarcasm. I mean, I did yeah, the same that, thing there, with There's Bitcoin. a certain level of arrogance involved. Yes. But, uh, yes. mostly sarcasm. Yes. I think, I do think I, uh, I do think I under like, again, I don't, I definitely don't know what I'm talking about, but I do feel like I know what I'm talking about. I, well, I think you understand the psychology. Like... I think you understand the psychology exactly. that's going on among these Redditors. I think some yeah. level you are. A and I watch that and I watch that. And um, so yeah. I mean, I'll give you that. But my point is that that was mostly sarcasm for people, not actual financial advice. I'm sure he's not yeah. going to tell you a $10,000 loan yeah, and no. start trying to mess around with Moonsock. But his point is mainly. No, I mean, I might. But I mean, you might. <laughs> it's, I do it. I do it. I've been tempted to take out a zero interest loan for a little while and just put it in Bitcoin and hold on to it for two years and then sell whatever. I get the temptation. So, like, I definitely get the temptation. Yeah. But I really. That's a good segue to our next thing about Bitcoin, where um, yeah, the stock and flow model, I think I saw, would predict that Bitcoin should be around 80 grand in May. What do you think about that? Um, I mean, I tend to think the stock to flow model is correct. Uh, that's what I'd say. Uh, I, I have a friend on, oh, friend is probably too strong of a term, but a, a Twitter friend who is adamant that any charts are bullshit on, on Bitcoin and no one can predict it. Um, I would say then, uh, I would say, and it's just, a, and the other, the, the other common insult of it is just a pure regression model. There's nothing there. Um, and he also sure. said that too. And I go, oh, that's true. Sure. Uh, except for that maybe that, that doesn't mean there's something there. I mean, the thing is, it seems to be tracking so freaking accurately uh, that right. I think it's a quite useful model. Obviously, no, as we know, no models are, are accurate. Some are useful. Correct. Some, and then, and then as Nassim Taleb adds, many are dangerous. Um, so the question is, is yes. this one dangerous? Um, I think that's the fundamental question because it seems quite useful. I don't think it's particularly dangerous. I, I'm highly skeptical that... Um, so there's basically a big fear among other people, including this person who was anti-charts, um, and I won't use any names, so I don't want to out anyone, um, that you know the government will come down and finally central banks will come and crack it down on it. And I'm not really that worried about it. They, you know, The government seems to be pretty open to Bitcoin on multiple different levels. Uh, Janet Yellen may not be, but you know she can't do anything unilaterally against Bitcoin. Bitcoin's not regulated by the Fed. So... Uh, and, and that's where you have complete unfettered control. She's a treasury secretary. She has some control there in the regs, um, but she still can't do things against the law. So, you know, the regs are where like, you know, you have a little bit of interpretive power, but there's a limit. And, and then if they go right. oversee it, then well, that's when you get me involved, a tax attorney <laughs> or not me, but other people like right. me. And we go and sure. have an argument in court. And I'm not really, really just not really that worried about it. Um, the, uh, Cryptocurrency and Bitcoin are U.S. industry, mostly U.S. focused. Most U.S. citizens own it. It's now on U.S. company balance sheets. It's only going on to more U.S. company balance sheets. Um, yeah. MicroStrategy is hosting a Bitcoin for Corporations event on February 
third and fourth, which if I might intend, I think you have to have a use your company address and I have to talk to my boss to see if I'm allowed to go see that. Um, but if I am, I will probably join it. Um, and and, he, and there's multiple companies. He said hundreds of companies or something like that have joined it. Michael Saylor, uh, I've already signed up for it, but he's not talking about who they are. Other ones have contacted him. Private, private com many private companies have contacted him, but along with some public ones, trying to figure out how to do this. So there's a lot of interest there, and there's only going to be more. Adding, and this adds on to more U.S. balance sheets. There's just only so much appetite that the U.S. government can. U.S. government can't crack down on something that is owned by U.S. companies. Unless they want to destroy U.S. companies, we, you know, lobbying money. We know where it comes from. <laughs> it's not a mystery, right? So I'm not really worried right. about that. So yeah, I think there's. I mean, I get the I get the headwinds that could potentially be there. I'm just not seeing them, and so therefore, stock to flow seems to be pretty pretty much tracking very usefully. So you know, eighty eighty thousand dollars in May. I mean, I kind of hope that's not true. <laughs> so that i can keep buying because i have cash flow right um i would like to see it go up a little bit so that i know the stock to flow is kind of tracking out but you know i'd like to be a little bit lower than that so i can i like to be underperforming stock to flow but seem to be tracking it that would that's what i'd like to know yeah. okay then i'm not it's not crazy yeah and we're just going to get there you know right. a year or two later why i still have nice positive cash mm -hmm. flow coming through that i can get it at a cheaper price it yeah it definitely i kind of want them to i'm kind of originally to give it a year or two so like, no, it's it's getting too valuable, and I wonder if a bet on, uh, and I'm kind of betting on May. See where it's at on May in May. Part of me wants to should I put in more, and wait till May and then pull it out because I don't think it's going to crash at this point. It seems pretty steady at thirty. Well, and so know, take half your GameStop. Put in more and wait till May. Take half your GameStop gains and throw half of it in Bitcoin, and then don't worry about it. If you, I could. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, Although the problem with Bitcoin is you got to put in. I mean, I you don't have to, but I want I I put a lot more into Bitcoin than I did in the GameStop. A lot more. I agree um, with that, but like you take oh, take some. I could take, put in a lot all, more again. All I'm saying is taking GameStop, take some of your GameStop. Well, then take your GameStop, all your games from GameStop and throw it in Bitcoin. I mean, uh, you know, I I just yeah. put I opened a Robinhood account last night, kind of like you know this could be kind of fun to get in and play with these kind of Reddit or crazy Redditors, mm -hmm. but. To me, that is a very small percentage of my portfolio. Um, yes. Like micro, small. Um, and it's more like a gambling to maybe get to gains, which when I get to central yes. gains, I'm going to throw into uh, Bitcoin, where yes. I feel it's much more like investing. It's much more closer to what I would call investing versus gambling, which is the, the Reddit, Redditors are yeah. gambling. They're gambling. It's gambling. It's even, gambling. Even 100%. though they know what they're doing, they understand yeah. what they're doing. The time it's educated gambling. It's yeah. educated gambling, but the thing is, the, the gambling aspect comes into the timing. You know, when do you get the hell out? Yes. It's not very clear. This is such a short yes. term, so fast that you know. Um, yes. You know, I, you, and I have talked about like what times you get out of Bitcoin when Bitcoin's really wildly underperforming, so yep. low and it never comes to fruition. Um, and we start to go, right. you know, you know, we're five years out and we're still hanging around thirty thousand dollars, and no one seems to have gaining interest. Maybe it's time to move on. Maybe Bitcoin's just mm -hmm. going to become a thing. Um, Potentially, um, I'm highly skeptical that happens, but that's kind of the thing where I could be like, okay, maybe it's time to come out. But this gives me a lot of time to play and think, and, and I don't, you don't have to make any quick moves mm -hmm. and be right about them on the time. This is all like, yes, you guys are playing so fast. You gotta, you gotta, it's so fast. It's, that's the issue. I'm actually looking at it right now, and it is since after hours, it is tanking. It's actually more like 250, which is kind of annoying because I can't get out. 
right? I don't know if I would get out that's, right now, but it does kind of annoy me. That's the game. That's the retail. Yeah. Um, this is what you guys are yeah. playing the handicapped yep. game. And so the fact that the SEC comes after you guys after Redditors are going to be really pissed about it because you guys are playing with one hand behind tied your high, behind your back in a way. How are they going to get, how are they going to come get us though? And the I only mean, thing like, you guys did you was you organized and you still were playing with some handicaps. It's barely, and it's, yeah. It's not like, I it's not, mean, I'm sorry, but it's not like hedge funds. People don't talk to each other. The idea that they don't, is right. third. they have like dinners together and they pitch each other ideas and stuff. And, you think these people aren't talking sure. like it's absurd and oh, um, um and we all know it's absurd to pretend that they're not and if you're not going to crack down on them i don't understand why you can crack down on redditors doing it right like it just it, well, my issue it's with... offensive to me on a level that yeah. is extremely high exactly that if i were on the jury i'd just exactly. be like let's have a jury trial because yeah. i think most people are going to be like screw wall street and i actually agree with that like wall street is largely bullshit um not necessarily yes. investors, but Wall Street. Like the people who sit on Wall Street are playing games, and they've been playing games. Yes, and they have ruined the country multiple times, and they have yes. access to money that none of us will have access to. This is all on like I feel like a really good capital allocators, like the Warren Buffets of the world, who are really taking mm-hmm. time. They obviously they often don't sit in Wall Street. They often don't sit in New York. He's in Omaha. Right. Charlie Munger's right. in California. Um, yeah. Um, Seth Klarman, who I respect a lot, um, he's he's out of Boston. These people are looking to buy and hold great companies and support great companies and sit, maybe sit on their boards or influence them as large shareholders and, and really try to build these companies up, which, you know, create jobs and all this real true stuff um, that I see of real value. Yeah. It's not playing games where you're, it's a winner and a loser. This is a winner and a loser game. This is exactly what's going on with Reddit right now, the Reddit game, the, yeah, the Reddit exactly. uh, game stock. The difference is the winner might for once be retail um and everyone's doing maybe we'll see and i'm not saying you guys will be but on the other hand but the other thing is in this case everyone knows they're playing a game like everyone understands the game they're playing whereas normally this is the exact kind of game that's being played but retail has no idea the retail investors have no idea but in this case you guys are the vendors are fully involved in it they're fully aware of the game they're playing they know they're playing against a stacked game and they're playing it anyway. Um, That's one of my favorite parts about it. The game's open. It's naked right now. We can all see it. It's naked. And it, um, there's a line. And have you ever seen uh, The Banker? It's on Apple TV Plus. It's actually pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. And it's all about an, um, uh, so an, African, an African-American man who was really, really good at buying real estate decides to open a bank for African-Americans back when there was redlining and it was impossible for them to get loans. Uh-huh. And one of them, his financier, who was played by Samuel L. Jackson at one point says, uh, like, it's something like, even a rigged game is fun to play. <laughs> uh, um, and this is exactly what you guys, right. you guys are playing the rigged game. It's rigged against you guys. But the difference is you guys are aware yes. of it. So, uh, you know, I, am I worried that some people may buy in right. what's going on? Yeah. But on the other hand, that's so on them that I'd rather let you guys play the game than worry about the, the strangest people who just buy it not knowing what's going on or why it's going on um right but you guys are fully aware of why it's going on you guys know what you guys are you guys know what you're doing in the sense that you know why what game you're playing and you know it might not work out yeah it might not i might lose all my money so was i think one thing that's kind of interesting i think real-time analysis on what's going on with gamestop is what i've noticed is talking about the game and us seeing it what i've noticed is a lot of short a lot of sales happen in the aftermarket and 
I personally believe that's the hedge funds trying to drive down the price well, when retail investors can't buy there's in. that, but there's also the hedge funds that actually own it, like like the Michael Burry's of the world, right? Right. Um, so right. like he's out. Why do they get to sell after hours? <laughs> it's absolutely horseshit. I 100% agree with you. Either the market should be open 24 hour or not all. You know what's open 24 yeah, hours? Seven? Exactly. Bitcoin. Crypto. You know, yep. you know the reason that I like it? One of the reasons I like it, it's open 24 seven. No yeah. one's gonna shut down those exchanges. And if they try, Coinbase is like Coinbase of the world are gonna be angry because Coinbase is in yeah. the crypto community. They kind of believe in this freedom. They're kind of the halter libertarians. They believe in this stuff. So yeah. the government could come in and try to shut it down, but it won't be because the exchanges voluntarily shut down. It'll be because the government forces them to shut down. And then, right. you know what? New things will pop up. Like there's peer-to-peer peer, um, peer peer sales of crypto are pretty common in China because they shut down the exchanges. So we, we might end up seeing mm. that kind of as the as, as the uh, consequence of such things. So it won't be that easy. And, and I'm not sure that the government will ever step in to shut that down. And one of the benefits is it is 20 So yeah, that's, and that's one of my favorite things. I mean, I, uh, I'm a little out of my depth with stocks because I got, I started in crypto. And so having open marketed and aftermarket hours kind of trips me up. I'm used to being able to make a decision whenever I want to yeah. and being, and being forced to stop at three 30 or two 30 because trading times are from nine 30 to four 30, uh, Eastern. Yep. So that's seven 30 to two 30 for me. So at two 30, I can't trade anymore, which is like the middle of my day. And I'm not even sure. Are you up at seven 30 in the morning on your time? Bear. I mean, I'm getting ready for like, I am, but not like, I'm not, I'm not up. Like I am at nine 30, like nine 30. I've had a couple cups of coffee. Like I'm ready to go yeah. seven 30. Like I'm not making the best decisions. If I just buy a stock for a thousand bucks at seven 30, like it's not great. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it might not, I might not be in the it's best. Kinda, it's kind of bullshit in a lot of ways because it's also like, it hurts the Californians. So the Californians have to play by right. like, I mean, the benefit is they get to work in later to the evening, I guess, and figure out what they want to do in the morning and make the first place. But on the other hand, it's just kind of, it's, right. it's, it's, it's bullshit across the board in my opinion. Um, and I get a lot of this is because antiquated reality of the fact that you used to have to sell physical shares to physical people and people to be awake, you know, um, but all that shit's gone and we can make it all computers if we want right. to, and we make it 24 seven if we really want to. Um, so we should. Uh, right. And crypto's figured it out. And I think that's one of the benefits of crypto um, specifically. But I mean, Bitcoin, yeah. I, you know, I'm still more of a Bitcoin guy than any of the cryptos, but I still love that aspect of it, that freedom. And you know, we're all playing by the same rules. The Wall Street gets to play the right. same by rules as I do. Um, there's no, no one has an advantage in the crypto space very easily. I mean, you can get one to a degree. If you can pay enough money, you can have Coinbase help you buy and stuff like that. And figure out how to run sure. it. That's how Microsailor did it. But um, but as far as the markets sure. being open, uh, that's no advantage. So the advantages are much much smaller to those who are rich in the crypto space. Yeah, and in some ways much harder because they can't self custody very easily because of how that have us designed. Mm-hmm. Um, Multi sig is finally allowing them to do so in a way that feels safe. Uh, but before multi-sig, right. they were like, you know, we have to trust one person in this hedge fund to have complete control of the keys, and no one wanted to do that. Right. Um, so in some ways, there's a lot of retail to get in first, but a lot of retail people have not given in quite yet, and you know, and and it, it's unfortunate because this is going to be one of the big, in my opinion, one of the 
very likely to be one of the big wealth transfers in our lifetime. Uh, and if you, you if yeah. you can, you should get in now. Um, and I, and I, I think, didn't get in as early as I wanted man. to. I mean, I only have a few coins, not a whole right. lot. Um, uh, and I wish I had a lot more and I wish I'd really understood it earlier and, and believed in it a little earlier. Um, so. But it's hard though. I mean, it'd be like me when I say like I should have yellowed 50 grand into GameStop when it was seven bucks, but that would have been an absolutely irresponsible decision. Yeah, because that'd be crazy. You know what I mean? That would have been in 2017. Crazy. I kind of believed in it, and then the crash happened. Uh, I you? never, I never sold my uh, Bitcoin ever. Uh, I did sell my sell yeah. other crypto, and I sold all my other crypto and turned it into Bitcoin in 2018 or 2019, somewhere in that range. Um, because I still thought there was something special about Bitcoin specifically. Uh, and so, but I could have been inquiring during that time because I still believed something in it. And I, but I kept learning instead. So what I did was I kind of kept learning, mm -hmm. kept coming back to it occasionally, but I never actually kept investing. And I regret that because apparently I knew enough to know that, but not enough. Yeah. Like, and yeah. not enough to just put my, like just dollar cost out. And the other thing is they weren't as many options. Now there's a great dollar cost average right. guys in, uh, um, in Swan and, mm -hmm. and, and that makes it much easier because the dollar cost average now is like Coinbase and Coinbase is like, the fees are so high. I don't really want like, but you know, They're high. If, I, if I had Swan a little earlier um, or back in 2017, I might have done that and just done, you know, you know, maybe I would have done, I would have done less than I'm doing now, but you know, I'm doing about $9 a week right now, nine zero. Maybe I would have done, you know, $23 a week or something like that. I could definitely have probably done right. So I would have had a little bit more, Yeah. Coin. but it realistically, I'm then haven't given up that much. Uh, honestly, the big buys came cause I got, well, a random event happened. I want to say I got lucky or unlucky cause my grandmother passed away, but she left, right. uh, she, she and my she left me some money and my grandfather's trust paid out who had to pay out after she passed away. All that happened this year. And that gave me some substantial money and lar the larger check came through earlier, which was when the Bitcoin was cheaper. So I allowed me to get in a lot amount of that money in. And to that degree, that was, you know, random event that went and as far as financially went in my favor, sure. emotionally not. Sure. Um, yeah. It's a bittersweet. It's bittersweet. It's a bittersweet. Yeah, she'd be proud of me though. She was the investor in the family. Uh, she'd be aghast. It was uh, Bitcoin. She did not like Bitcoin. We talked about it in twenty. Oh, I bet. She despised it. By the way, Reddit's having real problems because of all the Wall Street. Uh, uh, yep. Uh, uh, bets and uh, and someone told me it was down. I'm like it's not down. It's still there. Uh, they are on the uh, Wall Street bets is down. No, it's not. It's they have posts from five minutes ago. They have posts from five minutes ago. Like but can you go to can you go to the subreddit? No, you can go there. You can look at it. the thing is you just can't you can't contribute to it unless you've been involved. So they, they told moderators a while ago. Someone said moderators have decided that they can only post if you've been involved for over six months, which kind of makes sense. To right. They don't want they don't want Wall Street bros getting in there and trying to tell them what to do. Um, so. Uh, but as far okay. as I can see, yeah, it, it went down for. I think that probably contributed to the to the dip because it, it was down for maybe the last hour or so. Yeah, but but it's um, back now, so that's good. Yeah, but I mean, but this is the all of Reddit was slow uh, a few hours ago. Yeah, they're getting hammered. I mean, Wall Street bets has increased since I've joined. Two million people have joined that subreddit, and I think they're the most active community. 
um, the other day, maybe even today. They're getting 10 comments per second. Is that who created Reddit? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, he he wrote a thread on Twitter about it and yeah, about these guys and basically saying, Yeah, he, what his big one, uh, don't don't bet you can't lose. But other than that, yes, this is a socially driven reality that Wall Street hasn't come up, hasn't contemplated yet. Yeah, one thing that was interesting was he um, told, um, uh, what's his name, Chamath, um, something, Chamath, uh, Chamath Palihaptia. Um, who's a who's a billionaire? Um, he was on Twitter and he was saying, uh, "What should I put some money into? You know, send me some Reddit's." And um, Alex O'Hanahan was like, uh, "GameStop." <laughs> so he was like, "All right, fine." So he bought some GameStop options. Actually, he, he did like a hundred thousand well dollars the other day. Yeah, yeah, something like that. He, he bought a bunch of call options, and I think he made like five hundred thousand dollars off of it. And he said he's going to donate. He closed his position. Um, he's going to donate all of it to um, the that fund started by those crazy people um bucket sports barstool sports they, yeah. they started a fund for small business yeah david so Portnoy, he's donate david Portnoy, all money yeah to, yeah Portnoy, uh, yeah i mean yeah. he's a you know really fratty broy guy who's right. definitely gonna find a lot of people uh with his less let's say less than um politically correct um conversations and speak but he's 100 percent right on that yeah. and i actually donated some money to the barstool fund um so oh, wow that's awesome uh, but it's because i 100 percent so. agree with what he's doing i mean it was one, one of those things along with the, some uh food banks and other things i did um um so yeah uh, i i agree with what dave portner is doing there uh he's 100 percent right on that one and i may disagree with him on some things and, and to be fair i do uh but he's 100 percent right uh, he's doing good work there and he deserves some yeah he doesn't seem like necessarily my kind of guy but he doesn't seem like a bad guy no no i don't think yeah yeah i would uh i don't know i having had some conversations with you before off podcast i can tell you you'd enjoy him uh-huh. um not always you wouldn't agree with him all the time but uh you'd probably enjoy some of his stuff but but the real thing is he's 100 right on this one as far as um our congress has really just failed us on small businesses if you want to be honest it's true um They've largely just let Amazon eat the world and all these other guys uh, with the pandemic because the people yeah. that were well situated to benefit have benefited wildly and they just sort of tore yeah. up and take a hike. Yeah. And uh, this is part of the problem with um, just the complete dysfunction of Congress. So, yeah. So, actually, one conversation yeah. we could have, uh, you know, we like a good debate. Uh, do you think the filibuster should sure. go away? Do you think the filibuster in the Senate? Um... We can have the conversation next week Let's, if you want. We can save it. We can table for next week. No, we week. can. If we we can have. We got uh, We got a little bit of time. Um, and I'm I say we I can table for next week if you want to think about it was, longer, if you're not really sure what you want. No, no. I think we should We should at least start the conversation now. Um, why don't you explain what the filibuster is in case someone's listening and they don't quite understand it? They okay. just think it's reading um, childhood stories for 24 hours. <laughs> okay, okay. To stop yes. a vote. So the filibuster exists in the Senate. And the idea was it's supposed to protect minority rights, the minority party's rights, so that you can't pass mm-hmm. legislation that's entirely objectionable to the, uh, to, the, uh, to the minority party. You have to get at least, right. I believe it is 60 senators to even yeah. have something enter on the floor. So you could, uh, there are ways around this with certain things, reconciliation allows you to get around it, which is how they got the tax law through. So some things can be done without around the filibuster. They, um, 
So let's jump back a little while. Harry Reid killed the filibuster for regards to lower Supreme, uh, lower court nominees because the Republicans had completely, under Mitch McConnell, completely shut down um, passing any judges under Obama, and we, had, we and the bench was like literally not being filled by anybody. So Harry Reid decided to kill the filibuster with regards to lower court nominees. Mitch McConnell said, "You're going to rue ru- ru- the day you did this," effectively. And we're going to get you back, which they then killed the filibuster in order to in order to add the Supreme Court nominees under Donald Trump, which they you know delayed delayed the Merrick Garland vote indefinitely until they could get their uh, get their Supreme Court justice on there, and then they killed the filibuster so they could get through it only with regard to the Supreme Court nominees. So now it's just within general legislation, certain you know certain bills you can't get through unless you can go through like reconciliation or some other rule. You got it, you've got this filibuster that prevents it. Effectively, it has stalled the Senate, in my opinion. It has been used uh, throughout history, occasionally, probably for the right move, more often than not, for things like preventing civil, the Civil Rights Act from being passed. Uh, hardcore, you know, the the at the time Democratic um, segregationists, Southern Democrats who were segregationists, were using it to stall. Civil rights uh, legislation. This is when Lyndon Johnson was in the Senate, but uh, before he was president, that kind of thing. And, and just prevented any movement forward on this stuff. Um, so I would say that history has not always been great. Uh, occasionally it's been used for the right reasons, but more often than not, probably not, in my opinion. Um, and, and the question is, I guess fundamentally, is protecting the minority rights useful or not at this point. And I sort of think it's one of its course, maybe it was useful before, but I think we've come to the end of it because it's now used as a tool to stop all progress in my opinion forward. And I'm not a progressive by any means, uh, you know that I'm pretty sure, but I do think like we need to get legislation through and stuff. And I think it's just kind of stopped all forward movement and even worse has kind of led to, in my opinion, the rise of the executive presidency where now we have the president issuing executive orders and then it constantly switches every time we have a new president who issues new executive orders, which revoke the old executive orders, which are the question is, can they even do this? And then we have to go to the Supreme Court to ask. Right. Um, and part of that is because they feel they should be doing something and they can't do anything unless legislation is actually passed. And Senate has just become so, so wildly dysfunctional as a result of this, whether they just don't need a simple majority, they need 60 votes to get through. And if you've got an ironclad will of someone like Mitch McConnell, who just keeps everyone in line, you don't get anything done. And so I would highly, if I had my brothers, I would definitely probably end it at this point. And there's another component, which I don't think is talked about enough. I think we've entered a time in society and the world where the issues move so fast, we need legislation that comes out faster, faster than it does right now, where, you know, the technology is moving so exponentially fast and our laws are so exponentially slow. And this is part of the reason. And I think this creates massive problems, uh, including one of them is that we can't iterate the way. So Silicon Valley has an attitude of iteration to the, to the best results, right? You, you, you make something you think it's good it's sure. wrong, you update uh, and you fix the fix as you go along. We can't do that because we can't get anything through. And so on some level, yes, this would mean that only one party, whichever party is in control, might vote. But on the other hand, it also means Congress is, Congress would be in control again 
along with the president signing the legislation, instead of the leg instead of just one person controlling it, we now have, I think it's it's over it's what 260 535 but 263 people or something oh, in the in the house that. in the house you if you had 51 percent of the house and you had 51 percent of the senate now uh if, if right. you got rid of the filibuster and i think that's be a better better way of doing it um so yeah i'm, I'm definitely in favor of killing it uh and knowing full well that both parties are going to use that to the advantage when in the power um i still think that's a, probably a better outcome um than than the opposite and the other reason being, if they pass really good legislation, even if the party mm -hmm. disagrees with it largely, the constituents won't, and you'll lose a re-election, right? So there'll be there'll be a pushback if they pass, it. and if they pass something bad, they can move, they can change it quicker. That's the other benefit. If they pass something that they like, later yeah. go like, oh, this is crappy, we can just get a, you know, or, or it needs a modification, they can actually do that. Sure. So whatever purpose it served, I think I like I like your point. Yeah, I like your point. I. I don't know. I, I am very cautionary about it because just like you said, Henry Reid killed it earlier and then later the Republicans used it to put through a bunch of Supreme Court justices. And now we and you get someone like Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell in there and now they put in three conservative Supreme Court justices. No, and so to be fair, they killed think, it to do that. But yes, but on the other hand, yeah, I think something that's unappreciated is that Mitch McConnell, if he were in control and he wanted to get something passed that he couldn't get passed through a different way. He got to the, he, you know, the one thing he really wanted to pass was tax legislation, and you would get through it through reconciliation, which doesn't require uh, filibuster mm -hmm. if you if you make certain concessions, which is what they were willing to do. If he wasn't willing to, he'd kill it in a heartbeat. He'd kill it. He doesn't yeah. care about the Senate, and the problem is he's in control for a right. while. And that's the other thing. So I feel like the Republicans are willing to play scorched earth politics. In fact, a term yeah. that Mitch McConnell used this week, I think maybe it was today or yesterday. And I got really, I almost laughed hilarious. Uh, hilar I laughed hilariously at it because I've been talking about that for the last year with my friends. Like he's playing scorcher politics. That's why he used the term. Yeah, he is. And, and so he's like shocked the Democrats that will, might, let's not play it. Of course, he doesn't want to, he wants the rules to change. Going back to the similar to the Wall Street bets and the uh, and conversation and, and the Wall versus Wall Street, it's different rules. And the Republicans are, and I want to be very clear, I exist because of Republicanism. So I'm not just shooting on Republicans. But right now, the current set of Republicans will play by a different set of rules if it benefits them. And they would kill sure. that filibuster if it benefited them. So I'm just saying the Democrats should just do it because it benefits them. And also saying. because I, I think it benefits saying. us. So as a practical matter, sure, I don't think does. they're doing anything immoral. But I actually think it benefits us as a society to just stop having to I think I think the imperial presidency is worse than a partisanship yeah. level Congress, because um, it, it's it's one person versus hundreds of people who potentially have a better right. represent. I mean, here the reality is in the Senate right now they they yes Democrats technically control the Senate because they have the tie vote through the Kamala, um, the vice mm -hmm. president, but you know. We, they just gained two people in Georgia. Georgia are blue dog Democrats. They can't go to non-conservative and uh, and crazy, uh, you know. The you know Georgian right. people are going to allow that. So they're already has they got Joe Manchin out of West Virginia. West Virginia guys, that's, uh, he's probably the most right. powerful senator in the in the country right now because he's going to be the ultimate tie vote. So you still have to get through Joe Manchin. That's sort right. of my attitude. Like you have to get through these blue dog Democrats. 
it's never going to be too so crazy. It's not going to go rise into full social, full blow yeah. war socialism uh, of Alexandria Ocasio Cortez that everyone's worried about. It's AOC is yeah. not going to control the agenda. This is not a real threat because you still have to get to fifty one percent in these places, and you need these people. Sure. And there and there are Democrats in um, in the House that are in um, in relatively conservative locations. So the idea that we can just just because it's partisan, maybe one party could control the agenda. If they control both sides of the, sides of the house, uh, so it's both sides of the Congress, which as they do right now, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's a little bit of a, uh, a risk. That's probably not a big deal, as much of a big deal as people think. Because I'm like, just realistically, you're going to convince people that are in tough locations to make votes. Uh, so you're going to have to make some compromise anyway. It's just going to be functionally. It's going to require. Uh, it's going to end the just complete logjam that I think, honestly, Mitch McConnell has created. And I think it's mostly Mitch McConnell, if I'm going to be honest right now. Now, to be fair, it has historically been the Democrats back when the Democrats were, you know, the segregationalists before yeah. Lyndon Johnson uh, who sure. created the logjam on certain issues. But I don't, I don't think it's been used particularly well historically. Uh, I get the concern about running over minority rights, but I think there are other other things in place, namely that these that the people in question are from locations that are going to sort of push back a little bit if they go too far in either direction. Um, so I don't think we have to worry as much about that. What we have to worry about is just complete dysfunction where we can't get things done when the world is moving so much faster, exponentially faster. We're moving exponentially faster than we were. Uh, you know, moved yeah, the, like it's true. Like, you yeah. Know, the time of civil know, rights, like I, civil rights, like we were talking about also whether we we're going to get to the moon at the same time, you know, like, like, like right, that was the right. question. Now we're asking, are we going yeah. to Mars? And, and right. if we go to Mars, are I, we I, a private company to Mars? Right. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I agree. I think we need to, we definitely need to do something to fix the gridlock. But at the same time, it could like, there's going to be another Trump and he's going to be even more effectual than Trump was. Agreed. We need to be very careful about that. But I agree. Like that's a that's a clear and present danger, but it's a future danger. And uh, we we the Democrats control that stuff, and maybe they should just get rid of it now. But my worry is when you let government do things quicker, like it could spin out of control. We don't have in place a way to take back legislation. We don't have in place a way to keep them from putting whatever they want well, in the bill. To, to and agree so we do. We you're going to just take the reins off. We have the limitation of the Supreme Court, right? The Supreme Court kind of puts a limitation on that a lot. But, but the other thing is right now, we're not stopping the, it's much, and actually in some ways, I think this helps prevent the, the future Trump. Because the future Trump, without it, would again feel emboldened to engage in executive orders. So if next, so if if the future Trump engaged in an executive order uh, that we didn't like, we'd only have to get to fifty one percent on both houses to revoke it to pass yeah. a law. Oh, then he could. Uh, sorry, then we have to go to a veto, and then then we could have to go to a, a veto proof majority. So that's the other thing. We still got the veto proof majority on his level, but. We can already express disinterest at 51%. You, you can vote 50% of those houses, and, and the president's got a pushback, at least in a political sense, that at least half this country is willing to vote against it, right? Um, and right. we actually know that because the vote actually went through. 
and the vote will go through. He, he'll revoke it, and then you have to stand by whatever crazy thing he's trying to stand by, and then maybe you get to the next level. Um, but it takes away the yeah, and maybe you know what? Maybe the minority in this day and age is wrong. <laughs> I know I had this, like I might fire some people up, but like with social media as it is, and with the crazy radicalization of so many people, like maybe uh, we should railroad the minority. I mean, the other, the other thing is you could maybe just I don't know, revo- change the filibuster so it can only be used if you vote on it. So, 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 so the bill comes to the floor, and if you don't hit 61... They have to be there? No, no. So right now, it's effectively used, I'll vote against it, and it won't come up. If you want to do that, you can't even do that. You have to go to the floor. Right. So you just you have say, to vote on it. You have to vote on it. Um, but, but effectively, I don't know how that would actually work, because there's no real enforcement mechanism. So, so the problem is, like, we I don't do, I think we do need to... But, but I would just to get to a place where we can do things faster, especially the coronavirus has shown us and technology and the economy. We do need to get to a place where Mission McConnell can't just stall everything. Because and that's effectively what we're at. And, and so I think killing a filibuster is the best way to get rid of that. Um, and yes, it could be used against us in the future, but it might also not be. A, 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 but right now we know it's being used against us in a way that's causing us real damage. Interesting. Interesting. You're right. That that might that argument might convince me because it's like, yeah, it could be bad in the future, but it's bad right now, <laughs> and it's we need really to do something right now. right now. And like, we you can't get climate change stuff through. You can't get gun rights stuff right. through. Um, you can't get anything that like most sane people. Because most people are like, yeah, you know, I'm in favor of some gun control. I do. I believe people. Everyone should be able to. Who's a you know not a convicted felon should be able to own a gun. Yes, I do. Um, but sure. do I believe that we should have universal background checks? Yes, I do. <laughs> like, I believe both of those things. Right. Um, yeah, sure. And, and we should. And climate change is a big issue. Like, yeah, whether right. you want to believe it or not, like it's and it's, it's an issue. And we need to do something about it. And right now we're doing absolutely we need to do nothing. We need to bring. Yeah, not doing anything, and it's going to kill a lot of people. And robots taking over jobs, and, like that's a huge it, issue for me. Like, we, we need we need our government to be able to do things because we are facing new challenges that. They didn't realize in 1776. So I don't know. Like while I might not necessarily want them to kill the filibuster, like I would, I'm more willing. Like I would say, do it. Like let's just see what happens. Like we're already in a really bad position. Could it get worse? Maybe, but like it could also get better. And right now, what we have is not is not working. Quite frankly, it's just not working. So it's let's not. get to a place where something is working. Yeah. So before I might have said, I don't know if that's a good idea, and I still don't know if it's a good idea. But at least it's an idea that might lead to better ideas. Yeah, I think it would improve things. Do I think it would magically fix everything? No, I think we got a long way to go for that. Uh, but I do think it improves things um, if we got rid of it. Though it sounds like it sounds like it's not gonna. They're not gonna kill it. it sounds like Joe Manchin and a few others don't want to. But that was part of the reason Mitch McConnell signed on to the current rule for deals. Um, was that as long as Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin wouldn't agree. To kill the filibuster, he'd go along with the current rule that Democrats could issue, um, bring uh, could bring Chuck Schumer and stuff as Democrats could bring stuff to the floor. Uh, so that's what, right? That's what it seems to be like. And you know, it, if just the threat of getting rid of it is enough to get us back on track, then maybe that's maybe that's the answer. Uh, but we we need to get start actually having things passed through the Congress rather than the president issuing by fiat 
whether you know whether it's Joe Biden or it's Donald Trump that that, that worries me. It it worried me when Donald Trump not, yeah started saying it worried me when Barack Obama did the um, DACA. It's uh, by fiat. I actually had issues with it as an executive order, not as a policy. Like I actually kind of agreed with the policy. But I said like if some other person comes along and disagrees with it, they can revoke it, which Donald Trump tried to do. Yeah. And if Donald Trump had just followed the Administrative Procedures Act. He could have gotten away with it. And he, he could was. have deported a bunch of people who signed up for a government program thinking they were secure, but they yeah. weren't. And if he'd won re-election, if Donald Trump had won a re-election, they, they would have deported this within this term, yeah, within the second term. I so agree. It, I prefer we do things by law, by through Congress. I don't want the president doing things like that because yeah. you're right. Should, like if we're going to do something, like then let's do it. Like let's make it a law, and then let's move forward. But the president just decreeing things is kind of it's weird. I don't because the next president can undo it and also like we need more power into more hands to me is probably usually the better idea like right that's like the de democratic idea is like give more people a voice give more yeah. people a, a vote that's better than having it one person i think that's probably more in line with yeah. democracy and having a republic than having the king the king the president just do whatever like because they're the only ones that can do things so they just sign things away i prefer i'd rather have con and i've always felt that way congress and the senate should be deciding what the country does not the president yeah yeah and that seems to be i mean that used to be the case but that was back when we had a functioning senate so um yeah i'm hoping the threat just the threat alone of potentially removing it might be enough to get Mitch McConnell to start dealing again. But he is one of the most self-interested human beings in the world. Um, and, and he's terrible. Yeah. Country. So he's really good at uh, what he does. <laughs> Whoever hired him, they deserve a raise. <laughs> uh, that would be the people of Kentucky. Um, <laughs> is it though? Kentucky is it residents. though? Or is it Coke Industries? <laughs> well, that as well. <laughs> maybe maybe a conversation for another time. Um, I think that was. How about uh, that? I think about uh, we'll go ahead. Yeah, there we go. I think we'll go ahead and end it uh, there. That was a good hour. We will be back next week with more um, Devil's Advocates. Thanks everybody for listening. See you Thank later. You.